Welcome to another episode of Rebel City Podcast. So, how's it going, Matt? Um, I like probably what the entire world population. It's been a bit of a weird week. Yeah. Apologies to any of our regular listeners if um, my voice is a bit off um, or I sound as though I'm maybe broadcasting for the inside of Darth Vader's helmet. Um, obviously, I'm Skyping in because Holland the rest of the guys who live in one studio um, are isolating at the minute. So yep. we're, we're, we're here, the show must go on, yeah? Absolutely, man. I mean, I think that I was actually like, really, I'm trying to find a lot of, po- as much positivity as I can, as like, I'm trying to look at things positively in the day. I was like, this is a challenge tonight that, you know what I mean? Like, I think we've done one other podcast where you were only you were only there right back at the very start, and we made the sort of promise yeah. for there because it didn't really work out for for either is that we wouldn't do that again. But mm. like you said, the show must go on, and I was like, well, do you know what? I'm actually looking forward to this tonight. Let's see if we can make this work. Um, I'm interested by a new challenge. I've got to say, I know we've, mm-hmm. we've had a couple of guests Skype in with um, Alex Tiffin and um, the last Queen of Scotland episode. Uh, was another one that yep. we did where we had one of the guests Skype in and you know the sound quality wasn't too bad that we were that we didn't put it out so hopefully we'll have the same again today mm-hmm. um, Derek I'd probably Fee. like to take a sorry on you go dude no on you go I was going to say I'd probably like to take a quick minute just to acknowledge um, some of the guests that we had lined up over the coming weeks and um, we obviously in the last few days made the decision to kind of postpone guests and light everything that's going on um, we've obviously dealt with that in the background in a sort of private manner but the response and understanding for the guests that we had lined up was absolutely dynamite and I'm really looking forward to getting them in you know once things calm down mm-hmm. Absolutely man um, resonate that to the utmost and a couple of people that I had to speak to personally um, were absolutely mm-hmm. like more than happy obviously like people's cu- yeah. health is coming first at, at this time um, this is the thing I think with the, the Skype episodes um, DW podcast had engaged on Twitter and had said that yeah. they were worried that losing the conversation um, obviously it's no ideal conversation scenario but both me and you have done mm-hmm. this multiple times now and I think that yeah. like we just experienced two minutes ago sometimes you do sort of interrupt each other sometimes you do talk at each other but as long as we just I we, we just back off and, and like I will just try and be as mindful as possible that we'll know sort of like yeah. d- uh, doing that is thing we, as we, as we, we could this. have went down the road of having the, the video up for some visual cues but I just could not look at myself on the screen on screen so we're just <laughs> going forward you know what I mean uh, like, absolutely um, so I mean the the big elephant in the room like you're saying is we are currently on what say five days into the coronavirus pandemic Um it's mm-hmm. been a very, very surreal sort of the I'd say the best part now, like two weeks. I mean, I don't know how yeah. you're feeling about the situation. Um, I've got this sort of strange, um, like I'm not actually experiencing this. Like this is a movie or something like that. Yeah. Like, I walked by the Disney store yesterday. I had to go to Edinburgh for work, and I went to it was at the Guile, and I walked past the Disney store and I looked, and there was a sign in the window saying Disney have took the steps to just shut their shops and I thought fuck man this is real like this isn't a yep. we're, no, we're no playing about here my partner's in the same boat my, my stace is um, she works for and again I'm not going to the, the, you know, mention them but she works for one of the really big 
sort of mobile device providers um, who have taken the step of closing for a number of weeks as well. Um, and yeah, I've found that working in Glasgow City Centre, as, as I have been for the last couple of months, um, the drop off in like traffic, because I mean, I work like spitting distance with Glasgow Central, so you could not be more in the middle of Glasgow. And I, I kind of likened it to walking about in town on like Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, Aye, where there might be stuff going on at like, you know, the retail parks and all these other supermarkets, but the actual city centre itself was almost kind of 28 days later-esque. And as the days have passed, particularly as it's really ramped up in the last week or so, as you mentioned, um, the footfall in the city centre is less and less by the day. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is quite an eerie atmosphere. So as I've got to, I've got to agree with you on that one, mate. Yeah, man. Um, I think one of the, the big things that um, I've been trying to do since about sort of like wed- Tuesday or Wednesday last week um, <clears throat> is I've been really ramping up the self-care. Um, Aye. I've just been, I mean, I, I do a lot of self-care anyway, do a lot of like things for my own enjoyment, um, coupled yep. with sort of journaling, meditation, and I've doubled up, so I've this has been this sort of strange as I watch like social media go into basic meltdown. I mean, people are arguing about about the most sort of silly of things. Like um, earlier on or yesterday, I seen somebody tweet um, for anybody to be worrying about money at a time where your health and your life are at risk and people run about you yeah. are at risk. Um, I think it's just silly, and then other people just coming in and being like how dare you like i've i've experienced x y and z and blah 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 and i think that in a time like this i mean it we should absolutely be coming together but first and foremost like my a lot of my energy has went into just taking care of myself and making sure that i'm in a good place because i've got an elderly mother you've got elderly parents and basically Mm -hmm. i need to try and make sure that i keep in touch with my mum for start, but also she needs something um, that there's people there that can um, bring her whatever it is that she needs. Yeah. And for me to do that effectively, yeah. I need to be at a level of being able to operate and being able to think about other things. So I absolutely, absolutely. Like, I've just ramped it all up and doubled up what I'm doing, and I might even try and trip up. I think this is one of the things that we're all going to have to be conscious of here because. As I was saying to you, sort of trying to kick off, like, I've been involved in a lot of contingency planning as a, as part of my work, um, where we've been examining every possible scenario and, you know, what we can do in the event of those scenarios. And it's very much felt like a kind of if scenario, if this happens, then we do X. Mm-hmm. In the last week or so, it's very much became a kind of when scenario. And now in the most recent days, it's a it's here. And a, and a part of me does really feel like, you know, the world we knew like a week ago, I'm not, I'm not really sure it's there for us anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if it's going to come back or whether or not we need to adapt on a really sort of long-term basis to this. So keeping yourself in a space where you can actually live your life, because that is ultimately going to be the most important thing. Like we're taking precautions as a nation. We're taking precautions as almost an entire species at the moment. But there's going to come a time where even in the face of this life has to get back to normal. And I, I like you, I've noticed a lot of the people who we interact with online and, and who we interact with in real life 
really talking about negative impacts on their mental health, a real, really big spikes in anxiety. And then this is coupled with the fact that a lot of the support groups that we spend a lot of time, you know, getting in and talking to a lot of the men's mental health groups and, you know, sort of women's issues, the, the organisations that, you know, we've looked to promote to this point are now forced to close their doors in a lot of instances. And I know they're doing the absolute best they can to provide support even in that scenario. But there is a, a real feeling at the minute that in this exact moment, we're on, we're in, and you mm-hmm. do need to prioritise yourself first because if you're not good to yourself, you're absolutely not good to anybody else. Absolutely, mate. I mean, I've been trying to... I, I, I think about like this... When I, is it like an aim for my mental health is that I'm resilient and one of the big things that I, I think I've spoke about this on the show before that I fear is or I have had fear about in the past is like stress around work and maybe mm-hmm. like no being good enough at work and I might lose my job and that's one of the sort of persistent thoughts that I have like going run and run in the past and I've managed to sort of shake yeah. that off and I've always, part of that has been sort of saying to myself, well, if the worst does happen, you will be able to deal with it. Like, have sort of faith in yourself. Don't have this sort of lack of faith that I'll crumble if I lose my job. Mm-hmm. Or like, And I think that I've been looking at this the as I ramped up my self-care. Part of the framing of this situation is, is that I'm like, this is basically a test of what you've been doing for like three or four years. And yeah. it it's almost like get this sort of strange paradox that's happening where... Things like the challenge of doing this podcast tonight is actually I'm finding it quite exciting, and I'm I'm trying to look for this sort of what positive spin can you put on this for yourself? Because I think yeah. that there's a there is a very very real chance that people that are in active recovery, I mean, if so, if you were in say day zero to thirty of mm-hmm. going to Alcoholics Anonymous, oh god, building all that all the things that you need to. Mm-hmm. To really support recovery, you are uh, absolutely at the very vulnerable end of relapse. And I think that Loki was talking about this uh, on Twitter that we really need to try and come together. And just to give him a shout out, he's doing a walking talk at Kelvin Grove. I think it's tomorrow or it might even be Saturday. I'll have a wee look when... um, on Twitter about that. But he's doing a walking talk at Kelvin Grove for people that are in recovery. Um, yeah. Well, they just go around. I've seen them joke about bringing your own, uh, bring your own hula hoop so that you just can socially distance enough, be it still <laughs> sort of contribute to the to the event. Which I, I did have a wee chuckle at, even though it's a serious subject. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of my own self here, I, I've been so in it with work that when I've been coming home, I've been trying to sort of tune out it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's become obviously impossible in recent days, and I've got to say that my own anxiety has, you know, increased in the last few days. Mm-hmm. Um, the downside or the upside to that is that, you know, as maybe a year ago, my recovery is that I'm no reaching for, you know, the bottle because, like you say, I've been doing the type of work on a, on me as a person that you talk about, that self-care, that routine and how you manage yourself. Um, yours obviously is focuses a wee bit more on the sort of upbeat sort of positivity of our minds has always been very a functional let's just get through the day kind of thing um, and I've been conscious of that you know I've, I've my meditation routine as we were talking through the week has changed slightly where mm-hmm. I've taken to as I'm feeling that anxiety on the way to work I've taken to purposely leaving my morning meditation time on the bus 
where I can I find it really easy to connect with my meditative state. But because calming myself has not been enough, um, what I've started to do is instead of using guided meditations on the various guided meditations app I've got, um, I've actually been listening to like really sort of poppy, kind of upbeat, kind of bright music right. because for me the meditative state is so easy to connect with. But the the sort of poppy, upbeat, sort of as we say, bright sort of jangly music brings that energy to that for me that has been quite a weird I stumbled into it by accident and I've been doing it on the bus every day so I might look like a bit of a weirdo because <laughs> I'm sitting for you know 35 minutes on the 19th for Springburn and this you know six foot guy in his suit and tie listening to a little mix <laughs> um, you know what I mean well, it, was, it was actually a rush that connected with me on the first day but I've been I've been experimenting so as as about you know taking what works for you and just really sort of getting down inside it and just try to make sure that you don't falter when, when it really matters the most here. Mm-hmm. I mean, things like playlists and like music, this is how we're going to really like potentially have to connect. <coughs> it's going to be like the only things like this are going to be the the little outlets and stuff. It's going to be very interesting. Um, I liked what you were saying about like um, the 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 world that existed last week might not be there for us when we basically get back to what is going to be the new norm. And I think that there's going to be a lot of consequences that come out of this. Um, I mean, just over the last like couple of days or like the last sort of four or five days, we've seen airlines come a government begging for a bailout. And yeah. It, it's Richard Branson can go and suck a bag full of dicks. So <laughs> like, um, I ordinarily wouldn't get that mean about it, but like this guy's a multi-billionaire, mm-hmm. and he basically put a gun to the government's head, threatening to follow eight and a half thousand people and go seventy-five percent of his fleet because he wanted a fucking bailout. And that guy, this is this is a guy who signed the Sex Pistols in his early days. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I don't think I could get any less punk than the fucking bullshit that you tried to pull in the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. And I hope whatever private island he's on is subject to a really sustained bout of coronavirus. You know what I mean? <laughs> Amongst many, many other diseases. You know what I mean? Like, because the guy deserves every single one of them. He's a fucking prick. Aye, it was disgusting. It's pretty disgusting. Um, but w- w- we'll see what happens here because if the what is looking likely where the government does borrow huge amounts of cash to like prop up these <clears throat> industries in the hope that this is something that passes in the next sort of mm-hmm. 30, 60, 90 days. We, I mean, where was, where was that borrowing and investment and when not companies needed to build it, but your country needs to build it? We're, we've got like record numbers of suicides mental yeah. health issues, we've got vastly underfunded NHS that takes care of us. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like corporate socialism. I mean, the bank bailouts that happened in 2008, to, between 2006-2008, were like badly criticised oh, in the post there. So, I mean, if they, they take out say there's chatter like sort of wartime borrowing for the government which would mean almost like a tenfold borrowing on sort of like the budget that we just seen in the last 10 days 
Um, if it goes to that and they do give these companies billions to sort of build them out while, or millions to build them out while they've got billionaires at the helm, I'd, I don't think people will accept that. I think that... I think people in this country are conditioned to accept that because we've been putting up with this exact level of bullshit for 20, 30 years. I think when you look at some of the steps that are being taken across Scandinavia, Europe, and even America, I mean, Trump is basically talking today about a form of universal basic income where Americans are about to receive direct deposits. Like Scandinavia, Australia, they're handing out money, they're covering 75% and expecting employers to cover 25% of people's lost wages. Like, there's all sorts of stuff like mortgage holidays, rent holidays, tax breaks, all these types of things. And then you get to the UK... As you say, £330 billion was found out of the money magic tree today. Um, but those are loans. Those are interest loans. So there's no real incentive for businesses to actually take up these loans because they're no government handouts. You know what I mean? Like they're no well, the, mitigating it because they're going to have to pay it back on the back end. So aye, basically, companies will do the maths. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, basically, the Tories are promising to sign a guarantor on loans to businesses by high street banks. Do you know what I mean? This isn't it. I mean, it's that's that's what they were saying. The the Chancellor announced. I was watching the news like an hour ago, where he was saying yeah. that these are that you're. He was selling it. I was like, pure man. I've been a sales guy for fucking fifteen years, man, and I can <laughs> smell a sales yeah. pitch. And this is a sales yeah. pitch. He was selling it to us like you can go as a business owner that is affected by coronavirus. You can go to your high street bank, and you will no questions asked be given these government assured loans that are very like tempting. There's an incentive to mm-hmm. take them. So basically low interest rates, but interest rates. So profit so they being just made. The government into a, they just turned the government into a payday lender. Into a fucking you know I mean? And that's not really, that doesn't fix anything. That, that, all that does is park it down the line and there's been a lot of that in the government response. Now, I know that in the kick off of this, there was very much a kind of focus on let science do the talking and there was this undercurrent in the background where people went, well, hold on a minute, look at what happened in Italy. In Italy, people didn't take it as seriously as they should. And over the course of a fortnight period, you know, cases and deaths skyrocketed to the point where the entire country is in a literal lockdown. Okay? But then today, we have a report that comes out and says the UK government has also made a massive error in their numbers. And instead of addressing, you know, the social isolation element it more thoroughly their answer is to start dishing at low interest loans for their mates at the bank and what I also found telling was that you know these mortgage amendments that are being put in place for mortgage holidays I kind of would probably like to have googled before we sat down the night how many MPs are landlords because it feels very much to, to me like you know they pretty much covered their analysis first in a lot of respects mm-hmm. and when you know, we're talking about somewhere in the region of 250 to 500,000 potential deaths in the UK. The last thing I really want to be seeing is the Chancellor of the Exchequer having out low interest loans. I want the government to be talking to me about what they're going to do to minimise the impact that this is having on people's lives. And at the minute, the answer is they don't fucking know. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I would probably have more respect for them if they just said, look, we're working on this on a day-to-day basis. We don't know how it's going to go. You know what I mean? Like the mm-hmm. answers that they're getting is just now feel very much like kicking the can down the road. 
whilst simultaneously kind of trying to wind their pockets and the pockets of their cronies along the way. I mean, the decision with pubs, restaurants and theatres, cinemas to like advise you not to go, but at the same time not to outright close them because they don't want the insurance industry taking a hit on having to pay people out. And to me, that's like a bookie getting cleaned out, you know, the weekend of the Grand National and coming to the government and being like, hold on, I placed all these bets and lost them all at the one time. And that's where the insurance industry is now, is that uh-huh. insurance is the business of placing bets on whether or no your home burns and whether or no you die, whether or no your car gets broken into or stolen. Like, these guys are professional gamblers. And in this instance, they legitimately lost the bets they've placed up and down the country on pubs, clubs, theatres, cinemas, and all the rest of it. And what they've done is they've asked the government to basically fudge it for them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'd be interested, again, kind of similar to the landlord thing, I'd be really interested to see figures on how many insurance companies donated to the Tory party in recent years and how much. Because the notion that the two things are not interconnected to me seems ludicrous. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Um, I think they, they've announced, I'm not sure, but I think they, they're saying that they can claim their insurance, like businesses can claim their insurance now. Um, I think that, but who knows? Was that the day? I, I think that the delay has probably been the reality is, is that the insurance companies could literally tell them to go and take a fuck to themselves and they've probably mm-hmm. been sweet-talking them around a fucking table and whatever promises that they'll make them post this disaster, but they need to start paying out on business insurance because people are going to be out of pocket and they can't afford... Everybody in the country claiming <laughs> benefits or getting lo- like I think that that that's got to be they're, they're trying to save their asses. Um, there's yeah. a, it's only the only real way to look at it is is that the money that they should be spending on what the Scandinavians are doing, putting direct deposits into people's banks so that they can survive, they're using probably to promise the whatever fucking banks and insurance companies that post this. Something will happen. I'm very cynical, but you've got to imagine. Aye, they're obviously going to have the back of big business, you know, on a long term basis anyway. But mm-hmm. what's going on there should definitely trump that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, I mean, I think I've, obviously the next one is you know the schools. You know what I mean? Well, absolutely. This is another another kind of instance of the dithering that appears to be going on at the minute because I can get again that. The scientific argument was that we want to lower and we want to widen the, you know, the arc, the trend that we've all seen, sort of in graphic format, probably a hundred times now at this point. Mm-hmm. And like at the in the immediate sort of start of this, it did feel like, like, okay, that seems like a reasonable thing. You know, we don't want people for the NHS having to come home. Mm-hmm. We don't want. And then, this is the argument that seems to be doing the rounds in the last couple of days. Can he close schools because we don't want kids to starve? And you're like, well, hold on a minute. Why the fuck have we not addressed the fact that kids are starving unless they go to school in the first place? Why is it taking this is a it. fucking pandemic for us to actually think, hold on, we've got kids armed in our country that are literally fucking starving? This like, is exactly you know it. I mean? Like, this Bullshit. is the thing. Like, so if you take this, you take the pandemic out of the equation, what it looks like is, is that as soon as the market runs into trouble there is unlimited amount of borrowing that the government can do to bail it out yep. but when the market's booming but mm. 
the majority, let's not say the majority of the country, let's just say some of the country is suffering, as we've mm-hmm. seen with like the homeless crisis post the financial yeah. uh, market bubble bursting in 2006 to 2008. What we've seen since that is food banks, we've seen cuts, real cuts in people's wages. Yeah. So they're skimming off the fucking tap. Like they're, they're just. We've seen all the groups that we talk about fill the gap with the services that should be supplied by the government. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, even just today, like Glasgow City Council announced a, a plan to house homeless people in, you know, vacant flats. Why have they not been doing that? Why have you not been... This is exactly the school meal thing. is like, hold on a minute. If we can house homeless people, why the fuck have we not been doing it already? Like, I think the pandemic has brought to the fore a lot of societal issues that we've been dancing around the edges of, but no, shit has got real and we need to address them. But I think in addressing them, we also need to ask, why the fuck have you not done this sooner? Mm-hmm. This is this is a, another thing like I've been trying to look at in a positive way is, is that the, the structures at everything is just getting smashed. All the negative arguments against <clears throat> proper welfare for people or universal basic income... All, all the arguments are just melting away because this yeah. is this is the ideal scenario for that specific solution. So we've got a ready-made cookie-cutter solution sitting there. Do you think they'll pull the trigger? Do you think that they'll be like... Do you think they'll, that they'll, we're just behind the rest of Europe and that's what they'll end up doing is just gain people money? I don't know. I think this government will be happy to push the citizens to the brink. I mean, you've got to keep in mind that two weeks ago, we were sitting talking about notions of social engineering and eugenics that were coming for this government. Mm-hmm. And I think a world where pensioners are at extreme risk and pensions don't need to be paid and the benefits don't need to be paid. And a world where the vulnerable people that they were already hoping to target are, you know, susceptible to, you know, premature death. I mean, think about the cleanliness that we've spoke about with hand washing and no touching faces and blah 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 now people in low paid incomes are distinctly more likely to be exposed to being cleaners being you know making food being in the jobs that really put them at risk of these symptoms and like I'm not sure that there's an incentive for a government that really already wears its heart on its sleeve about wanting to get rid of as many poor people as possible to then actually really do very much about this. And I don't know if maybe that's why we're seeing the dithering because they've been quick to make sure the economy's fine. They've been quick to make sure landlords are fine and their pockets are the hit. They've not been very quick to do very much at anything else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely, man. It's just, it just seems sort of strange. I mean, like like you're saying, we're, we're talking about fucking eugenics and they're letting the most vulnerable be like almost exposed to it. They're just, I mean, yep. the, the health immunity stuff was just wild to me. Like listening to them talk oh. about it. Um, and like, like you were saying, I mean, over the course of the weekend, they went for a worst case scenario, about 150,000 people to the conservative numbers are now 250 to 500,000 people. And who are these people going to be? They're going to be the elderly. They're going to be the sick. It just, yep. it just fucking, it's, it is a really sort of sad 
fact to this is that we're going to lose people. I mean, almost every single person will be directly affected by this. And there's mm-hmm. still people out there with their taps half in Benidorm drinking fucking beer saying, like, bring it on, it's all the shite, it's like a flu. I just, I mean, it's almost I like... I'm not really it's crazy. hugely interested in taking the medical and sort of immunological advice of Davy from Bristol with his British Bulldog tattoo on his chest. You know what I mean? Like, he can go fuck himself. Like, and there's been a lot of that, that, you know, the all right, I'm all right, Jack kind of chat. Um, and you're like, if you're all right, good for you. And the same as the person who was maybe talking about money not being the same priority as people's health. I get the sentiment, but it is also evidence that maybe that person's living in a different reality for a lot of other folk and that, you know, there's not going to be a one-size-fits-all thing here because the... The the sort of fix has to be as complex as the problem, and the caveats that we're facing up in the country are so complex that you know there's no just got it's not just going to be about firing a vaccine and people and we all go back to normal like and that's what I'm worried about when I say I think the world we know is probably gone because there is a new reality here and it's that you know the the norms that we've held through to this point are just no longer valid. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Aye man, it's both like sort of scary and almost like numbing to the same sort of degree where you're like, there is very little that I can actually do about this other than follow the actual advice. Um, I mean, we've spoken on previous podcasts how I love a conspiracy theory and I have literally, I mean, that's fun in games. This isn't fun in games. Like, I have literally not engaged with any of the fucking nonsense that's been coming out about it being a chemical weapon, about it being... I've a couple of good ones. I think Bill Gates was getting a plane foot in one of the ones that I read. Uh, no, 5G. Because, uh, 5G's my 5G. favourite. Um, it's, right. it's the rollout of 5G. This is the, the consequences of 5G mobile. And that is, like, reasonably popular amongst the conspiracy theory. The other one right. that I was hearing is, is that this is the big QAnon reset that they've been waiting for and America's going back to the gold standard post this incident. Right. Um, but, I mean, like I said, you need to follow all the advice that they're giving you. There's no chances. I would say there are silver linings. I've been extremely encouraged looking around to see the local community groups, the churches, the even just the ordinary punters that are like, look, I live on my own. I don't really have a lot going on. I've got a car and a full tank of petrol. You know, if you need picked up, you need dropped off, you need this, you need that. Like, I'm being a man, like, drop me a DM. And, like, the, the decent, or the, the, uh, the decency of ordinary people to just step up you know, in this type of scenario has been extremely encouraging for me because, mm-hmm. again, probably like in similar episodes, we'll complain about the government, we'll, you know, critique and, you know, examine the response to these types of things. But at the end of the day, if you want to go and make a difference, government can't stop you. And we're seeing that a lot in people. Um, and I think that's really encouraging. Even some of the businesses that I think the day, um, was it the Hug and Pint, who deserve a big shout out in respect to what's been going on, um, who are now opening their kitchen up to deliveries and stuff like that. Yeah. So they're adapting in a sense, but they're also thinking, what do people need? Um, and there's a lot of that going on. There's a number of examples that, you know, could have maybe been better prepared for to kind of highlight. Um, our friends at Royston Youth Action have obviously been, you know, 
a real sort of beacon, um, particularly in my area, um, and no. You know, it'd be easy for them to make the praise coming their way about them, but they've decided and been, you know, relentless and no doing that. They've made everything they've done about the community. And there's, as I said, there's loads of people out there that are doing that. And I think in the coming sort of days and weeks, that's definitely, if we're looking at the silver linings you were talking about at the start of the show and how we manage ourselves, like focusing and highlighting the people out there that are actually like pushing back and, you know, being the rebels of our city, so to speak, and going, no, fuck that, I'm not having that. Like, these guys are the heroes, you know what I mean? And I think uh, even Katie Jo, um, who we had in a while back, had quite a few people in at Capitol and was really highlighting some of the amazing work that's going on about the city. And it's just people stepping up and just and just being human beings, man. And it's something that I'm definitely holding on to for mm-hmm. my own sort of sanity. Yeah. How long do you think it will be before we're in lockdown? I mean, when I heard how miles off the UK government predictions were the day I was expecting Johnson to come out and shut everything down at five o'clock tonight, mm-hmm. um, I did not see, based on the figures that were being quoted and the criticism that was coming for how bad their modelling was, that they could do anything other than shut it down. Um, at this point, I don't know. I think when the schools go, that will be the biggest indicator that it's full shutdown. But I mean, we're, we're three quarters of the way there. Aye. Companies and people have taken the decision out of the government's hands again. And, you know, people are working from home on an unprecedented scale. Um, so it's, it's going to be a tough one. But mm-hmm. I think the biggest indicator is when the schools go, that's going to be the, the sort of starting pistol and just fucking walk it down. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that I think will change. When I was saying earlier on that people won't stand for certain things happening. I think one of the, the big things is how easy they're going to need to make life to give people the sort of adequate access. So they're already talking in Parliament about free broadband. They're already mm-hmm. talking about um, like making the universal credit application process really streamlined. You can just do it all online. Yeah. One page. Yeah. Um, the HMRC website for people applying for crisis loans and um, people that are self-employed, that's going to be really easy and really streamlined. They're saying wait for the end of the week for that. Um, mm-hmm. and so you're like, so have you been deliberately making it difficult then? This is this is like all the suspicions are rolled into one. Well, let's see how, yeah. how easy they make life for people. I hope they make it as easy as fucking humanly possible so that we can actually see... Yeah that this has been a, an actual fucking disgrace the way that they've done certain things. Um, and also, if I'm somebody that works in an office and they're making me go to a fucking office for 40 hours a week and then all of a sudden I can get everything done. So for like myself, I'm I'm isolated because one of my flatmates has got symptoms, but I work for a company that's paying me full pay. So that's great for me. Fantastic. Um but if you, uh, but I can't do my job, like yeah. from home. But if you're somebody that's got gone to a workplace, spending the majority of their life in this workplace, and then all of a sudden they come home and they can do their entire job from home, or even seventy five percent of their job for home, when you go back to go back to work, surely you're going to be like, wait a minute, like let me fucking work from home. Aye. Do you know what I mean? I this, these are the things that are going to change. Conversations like that. Yeah, I think there's going to be a few awkward conversations like that when 
you know, a business spends a lot of money on your prime rent or prime real estate to base themselves in and then finds that the overwhelming majority of their work can be done somewhere else. You know, if you're running that company, you're probably going to ask yourself, well, do we need to be here? Do we need to be in the city centre? Do we need to, mm-hmm. you know, have X amount of desks? Do we need to go do we go back? So if we spend the next six months with people doing one-page benefit applications, mm-hmm. when this is, you know, quote-unquote over, like, what happens when they try and bring in the 14-page application again? Yeah. What happens when they, you know, like, for example... You know, I know or I'm of the opinion that things have been made as difficult as humanly possible. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, my, my partner's spent a lot of time in and out of work in recent years and I actually went there one day to the job centre, was told in the job centre to go to a website, went back home, went to the website. The website told us to phone a number, which we then phoned, and when we phoned the number, it told us to go back to the job centre. So in terms of making things as difficult as possible, like... If all that disappears as a result of this, how do you justify bringing it back? This is it. You know what I mean? Like, how, how, how do you go? So you've had six to nine months where we have done everything we possibly can to make your lives easier. But things have calmed down now, so we're just going to start fucking with you again. I don't like, think people that's the bit. No, that's the bit where I think that people just will not accept going back and they won't accept certain aspects of what they, they might plan to do. Very interesting, um, and like again, it's this. It's so uncertain. Like everything's so uncertain. Mm-hmm. It feels like you're just floating about in a bubble as you're walking about Glasgow city centre. Yeah. Everywhere's shut. There's nobody there. It's like it's crazy, man. Like absolutely crazy. I went last night before we had to go into lockdown, and went and walked through Kelvin Grove Park, and had a joint, and was just like, fucking hell, man. There was not a person about. It was so eerie. Just this sort of weird feeling, man. Um, are you going to take up any like hobbies? As let's just say we get put into lockdown for sixty days, you get two months to like pure do what you want within the confines of your house. Obviously, you going to go a bit mental and take um, up fucking. I think I'll probably indulge in some of my other hobbies, like sleeping. To be honest with you, or, you know, make. <laughs> Make use of my PlayStation or these types of things. Um, I've not really gave it any thought. I, the no. the employer that I work for has, um, as I say, been contingency planning extensively. So other than a straight up order for the government to shut down, um, I don't think that there's any likelihood that I'm going to be followed for sixty days. Um, but again. You know, if people want to read, I would highly recommend that. It's something that, as a society, I don't think we do enough of anymore. I know, obviously, the, you know, the book industry is out there, and it's a big thing and stuff like that. But I just mean, like, books really shape how you think and how you feel about things. And mm-hmm. I'd like to see us maybe be a wee bit more open to what literature is going to teach us. And if we've got the time, and, you know, we're looking for novel ideas, if you've not picked up a book in a while, just... Go and take a recommendation off of somebody that, you know, likes the same TV shows as you, or somebody that likes the same whatever as you, get them to recommend a book and go read it. That would be my one. Aye, man. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do all that shit. I'm just going to do whatever. I mean, I, I, I think that we will go, uh, we'll go like Italy and France and Spain. I think that it's only a matter of time. We're just about yeah. 7 to 10 days behind these places, and I think by the start of next week, they'll be telling that we're not allowed to go to work. And I think it will be probably, we'll, we'll date for 14 days initially, 
but it'll be like China where it ends up like 60 days because the, there mm. doesn't seem to be any other solution. That's how they've done yeah. it in China. They've got it under control. Everywhere well, else just kind of needs to follow suit. It's a bit of a hazard. So this is where the science gets a bit muddled or the explanation of the science gets a bit muddled because if we go into complete lockdown, yes, right now it will stem as best as possible the spread of the disease or the virus as it is, okay? But the problem is, is that on the other side of that 60 days, and this is where the herd immunity nonsense comes in, is that on the end of that 60 days, coronavirus will still be here and the population will still have no immunity to it, okay? So there does actually have to be a balancing act and this is where initially the science and how it was explained, I kind of went, right, okay, it's no ideal because let's be honest with you, we all want to be off work. You know what I mean? Like, even on just the basic level, I'd love to be sitting about reading books instead of going to work, right? Not going to lie. But there was a genuine legitimate thing over there. And like the issue with China, for example, is if they stop that lockdown just now, there's a real chance that coronavirus rips through the people that have been left. You know what I mean? Like, and this is the same thing here. We need to have a balanced act between having it in the population to the extent that our bodies can learn to fight it over time. But no enough exposure to the point where we have 500,000 extra dead bodies. Yeah. You know what I mean? And how you balance that, you know, I, I wouldn't know where to start. You know what I mean? And I'm no surprised that idiots like Johnson and that who are there on their, you know, privilege and their background don't have a clue how to deal with either because they're no immunologists and although they do have advice, you know what I mean? But again, they need to balance that advice against economics. Uh-huh. They need to balance it against NHS demand. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes, like, other scenarios, there's just no right or wrong answer. Sometimes yeah. there's no good answers. You know what I mean? What? Aye. I think I that about there, but they're just delaying it. They're just delaying the inevitable, probably. Just keep, mm. aye, like you're saying, they're just kicking it down the road. It's just going to need to happen, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, one way or another. Part of the craziness. Sorry, mate, on you go. No, on you go. So I say, part of the craziness that has really jumped out to me is, is the negative when we talk about the, the positives of other people and, you know, that community spirit and people clubbing together and really sort of stoning up for their, their local areas. Like, the opposite side of that has also been pretty evident. Um, we touched on Richard Branson and he's sort of essentially profiteering. Um, but we've also had really kind of mass stockpiling and... <laughs> Toilet I mean, roll the toilet roll thing, I don't, I don't get. I don't, I don't know what happened. There's, I, the basics that I could garner was that somebody somewhere seemed to have suggested that toilet roll came from China and everybody fucking lost it. Um, I don't know. That was the best explanation <laughs> I could get my head around. So it was like, as to why the entire nation overnight decided that they wanted to buy up all the bog roll. You I know thought I mean? it was like, just because people are fucking idiots. I mean, I'd, I'd, well, I mean, there is that as well. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Like people going in and buying, like, I mean, you, you can't buy pasta. You can't go and buy pasta because people are like buying up all the sort of stuff that could last a while. I think that. So was this because Italy walked in, Jank? Jank people were like, oh shit, the only place that makes pasta is Italy. Like, I don't, again, I, I was trying to think that one out and it was like, what did, what did people start buying pasta from? I think it's it because like, it'll stay in your shelf for like two years. Aye, you, know you can I mean? also throw a bit of you can also throw a bit of water and some flour and make it anyway. 
I seriously hope that that is it. I hope that that is why people have been buying pasta is because at least went on lockdown. <laughs> and they thought, we're going to run out of fucking pasta. It's like, mm, only one, only one not. country creates pasta. That's fucking I, It's not even that. I've seen, a, I've seen one in America, um, Tennessee, where a guy who obviously had, you know, seen the news and whatever else, kind of seen what was coming a few days before it really got wild in his area and drove, him and his mate drove all in the state swiping up every bit of hand sanitizer and every bit of sort of anti-disinfectant and all these kind of things that he could and then went straight on to the minute you know shit hit the fan he was straight on eBay trying to hawk stuff at, you know cunt. stupidly inflated prices um, he was subsequently charged by the Tennessee DA uh, with profiteering because in that state it's actually illegal oh. and these are states that suffer from floods hurricanes tornadoes cyclones like natural disasters and stockpiling are something that they've had to legislate against um, <laughs> because of the situation and, and the geography of where they live. So this guy's fell foul of it. I think they were talking about anything up to $1,000 fine per charge. So, I mean, he's bought, you know, hand sanitizer at 3 or $4 a bottle, tried to sell them for 20 but then ended up costing himself a grand on every one. And I would oh. say to that, good. <laughs> Fuck you! you know what I mean, like, absolute um, fucking muppet. I mean, hi, I did like the Den- I like the Danish one. The Danish one was uh, your first bottle of hand sanitizer is six pounds or six whatever fuck currency they use in Denmark, um, and the second bottle was one hundred and fifty. So <laughs> that was that was like that's the way to deal with this shit. Uh-huh. You want an extra bottle, you pay a hundred times the price right now, and it will discourage it. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. um, but I, I take it you're not holding that. Stockpiling and profiteering. If you're stockpiling or you're profiteering, take a fucking look at yourself, man. <laughs> I take like, it you're not done it then. You've not been to Tesco and no. bought like forty million rolls of fucking Andrex. No, Stace went out in Saturday you. and came back with a normal shop. Um, our dad, on the other hand, didn't. <laughs> but again, um, I, I'm going to step out of that one before I get myself into trouble. You uh-huh. know what I mean? But the one for me, baby milk. I mean, like, if we get that people are sensitive about their children, rightfully so. It's a scary time, but like stockpiling baby supplies, knowing fine well that it will mean other people's babies go with it. Like, I'm not going to be quite as harsh on those people as I'm with Richard Branson, but no. you know, take a wee minute, reflect, and think about is that the right way to approach this one because. I think if you were being reasonable and less panicked, you would probably say no. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, as we do, as, as we do these episodes, going to be really sort of stuck for shit to talk about. I feel we're going to be corona heavy for a while, isn't it? Um, I mean, I think it's like people going to work from home and isolate um, because I mean, <clears> if you can, if you can work from home, right? Um, or you've got the option mm-hmm. where they're, they're willing to pay you to whatever you, sh- you kind of just should isolate yourself um, yeah. but I mean I d- it had the idea that we could get people to com- um, like Skype in and we can just talk about it like because I'm sure we're going to go through some sort of strange changes if it, if it oh, lasts right. for long enough I think that we'll probably like I mean like you're saying that we're going to really need to adapt 
like our daily life. Um, yeah. I mean, just even losing the gym. The first wave. I know. This is the, this is you know the thing, isn't it? They're expecting these peaks to happen again in December. Um, yeah. When sort of cold and flu season comes around. So, so they're saying if a vaccine's 18 months off, the flu's got a chance of becoming seasonal. They're talking that there could be anything up to three phases. So this one, August, September time, and then the sort of deep, sort of darker winter. So there's a chance that we're going to be here three times this year. You know what I mean? In this mm. scenario. So I, a real adaptation and change is definitely something that's going to happen. And I would be interested to talk to a few folk about how their isolations went, what their experiences, what their thoughts are on it. Um, you know, Definitely something more addressed on the line. Um, I'm with you in that respect. I think, you know, Corona is going to be something that we talk about, you know, probably on a week to week basis. Um, I'd be quite happy to draw a line under it the new and try and oh, move yeah. on to something else. Um, you know, don't want to spoil people with all their disease talk, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but from my point of view, and, you know, we were talking the other week about. Um, my obsession with true crime. Um, so I think I've completed true crime documentaries in every possible language or on every possible subject at this point. <laughs> um, and I moved on recently. And it's and, and it's not exactly a cheerier subject, I'm going to be honest with you, but I moved on to Mayor, less sort of crime documentaries in Mayor. Like, I started watching a thing called Rotten. Um, I was tweeting about it and uh, one of our previous guests, Jen Wilson, was saying, you know, she'd obviously had it on her list and no go to it. It's really interesting. So it's about the food chain and obviously corruption in the food chain, pollution in the food chain. The You know, one of the weird ones was like avocados. Mm-hmm. So like, you realise that like, there's like avocado cartels in Mexico? What? Like, like the way you would get like a cocaine cartel or whatever kind of cartel, there are avocado cartels. So avocados have went from being something that nobody anywhere wanted to eat to being the, you know, the new superfood overnight. Absolutely. Um, I've never consumed any avocado until like 2018. I think it was like maybe. <laughs> and then season then, then, it was probably after you read an article in The Guardian or something about them, you know what I mean? Well, <laughs> I've had an abundance of avocado in my life, I've got to say. So these farmers in Mexico and other sort of South American, Central American countries are legitimately growing avocados and then as they're being transported or whatever, they're being intercepted, they're being, you know, told to pay protection money and all these other things. So there's like an actual, you know, sort of criminal enterprise that has popped up around avocados and this documentary goes on and explains it. Um, We've also been following uh, Dirty Money which is a really, really great series on Netflix. Uh-huh. Um, the Vauxhall scandal and stuff like that was cool. Um, this one was about how um, drug cartels are using gold to launder money. So they're right. illegally mining gold, they're illegally shipping gold, they're you know messing about with over borders, but eventually the type of gold that goes into your iPhone circuits, you know, because gold is one of the most conductive metals on the face of the planet as well as being valuable. It is also in everything that you use with electronics at one form or another. So how this illegally mined dirty drug cartel gold 
is in everybody's iPhones and stuff yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And like the series are amazing. Um, Broken was another one that was made about consumer rights and you know how faulty equipment and faulty products lead to accidents, deaths, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And yeah, not exactly cheerier, but some really really interesting stuff. And like it's a uh, it's odd to see how much of the day to day stuff we take for granted has like serious and like systemic levels of corruption behind them. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, avocado cartels. I mean, would you have imagined that in all your puff? No, I mean, that just I'll, I'll bet you that there's criminal activity in coffee beans, um, yeah. tea. But to think what that you imagine? there's gangs out there that are their commodity that they're trading in is avocado. It's just, exactly. <laughs> it's so it, weird. It belief. But um it does. It's it just seems strange, but these are different worlds. Like we don't live in that sort of same world. Do you know what I mean? Like yep. that's the the strange thing about like no, I'm not going to take it back to coronavirus, but we we're, like we feel like we're a pure connected planet. Like we're, we're told mm-hmm. that we're, we're closer than ever, which is true. But see, when you yeah. hear about stuff like cartel gangs for avocados and whatever else, other like food stuff that has actually got a criminal industry that takes a cut of like that money, mm-hmm. um, yeah. it it just doesn't like really compute with me. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. to think that that would be the case. That would be like so. If we lived in that type of environment, that would mean that like Scotch whiskey, like that type of shit, would have Aye. like a, a a criminal cartel behind it before it gets yep. exported. Sort of creating a sort of economy within the country where they rob a certain percentage of it and then sell it back. Um, there's a new distillery in Glasgow and we were running at the front door being like guys it would be terrible if something happened to your kneecaps you know what I mean <laughs> it's the exact, that is the exact analogy for Scotland you know what I mean what? or you know somebody's got a, you know, a good line in black pudding exactly you don't fucking find... 10% of that or else you know what I mean we're going to bond in your house I mean, through business, we've kind of like just legitimized a lot of that shit because that was almost like prohibition or whatever. Like, that was our reality in like America and here not so long ago. Mm -hmm. So, you've just got to imagine it. It's definitely the template. It's the template these organizations still use to this day as you know, the organised sort of racketeering sort of template that would have been the case during Prohibition in these places. It's about smuggling, it's about laundering money, and it's about, you know, staying out of jail while you're there. I think the, and and I would say if you're going to start anywhere with these types of documentaries, um, dirty money on the Vauxhall catalytic converters is absolutely mind-blowing. Vauxhall as in like the Vauxhall Corsa? It was like a diesel, it was a Vauxhall TDI diesel or whatever, and it was supposed to be the greenest car that the world had ever seen. Volkswagen? And, aye. Was, was this the Vol- the Volkswagen, um, aye, the, like the Blue Motion scandal? Like they were claiming... Aye, that, aye it was that. Right. Was their equivalent of like, the, what was the, you know, the, 
you know, the Mondeo. It was like four-seater, big boot, get your golf clubs in the back, but don't feel like a scumbag for driving it because it had all these green things and it kept the missions doing. And yeah. you didn't have to worry about killing the planet, but you could still, you know, drive your big, swanky, you know, executive sort of family car type thing. Yeah. And it turned out that what they actually did was they were fucking with the system to make it look like it was greener than it was. Mm-hmm. So at the speeds and at the scenarios in which these emissions are tested, the car was programmed to give more readings than it was actually dishing out. Mm-hmm. But when this car actually go onto the road in a real life scenario, it was producing something like four times the emissions of its predecessor. So the pollution that was coming through these cars while it was actively being promoted and sold as the answer, the green answer for this type of car, for this type of demographic of people that want it, um, was astonishing. And even when they were called on it, all they did was tweak the algorithms and every time they get criticism for, well, hold on a minute, we've caught you cheating here, instead of addressing the issue where they were caught cheating on, what they did was they fudged the test further to just rule out that negative. Incredible and the whole process was the whole process was just scandalous. Um, so I mean that's a really good one to start with. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I found in season two of Dirty Money the Dirty Gold. It's terrifying. So essentially, what drug cartels are doing is going. We have a hundred million dollars. I think the example is I've got a hundred million dollars of drug money in Miami, mm-hmm. and I've got the ability to take all these small gold mines that are all across Central and Southern America and put the squeeze on these guys. So in places like Colombia, Peru, and so on and so forth, put the squeeze on these wee guys who are literally just guys that are like panhandling. It's a slightly more modern incarnation because they use um, engines to filter the water a lot quicker and stuff like that. But they are essentially panhandling the way you used to see in old westerns. Yeah. They're just standing in water all day, sifting gold out of water and out of silt. But one of the big issues is that they use mercury to separate the water from the gold. Yeah. So now all these Peruvian rivers and Colombian rainforests and whatnot are absolutely manky with mercury, which then poisons fish, poisons the people in the communities that eat the fish, makes the water undrinkable. You, know, you can't even wash in it without impairing your brain function. You know what I mean? So these cartels are putting the squeeze on these wee guys, taking their dirty gold to smelting factories in, say, somewhere like Miami, smelting all this dirty stuff together to make bullion so that it looks and feels legit. And then they're selling the bullion on to Apple, to the US Mint. I mean, there was a US Treasury representative that refused to estimate how much of the gold in the US mint was illegitimate. Oh, for fuck's so, sake. So much, so much it is there. One guy who was involved in the industry was saying that his company in Mexico or whatever it was that they were running out of at the time went for trading suddenly 800 grand worth of gold a year to trading something like $90 million in the space of 12 months and the authorities never even noticed that didn't care and every this guy was like I was in business selling gold to the US for five years we sold X amount of tons 95% of it was illegitimate the US asked no questions whatsoever took their money and what happens is that when they sell the money from these 
melting factories. They did it by a bank transfer, so the $100 million in cash that was sitting there dirty has went into the gold, went back to the US, and been cashed out by a wire transfer. So they've basically monetized their drug money by associating it with the gold and getting legitimate payments back after the American banks to the tune of X amount, hundreds of millions at a time. So the American banks and Treasury are actively involved in laundering money for drug companies. Holy fuck. I mean, it was HSB, HSBC before them, so they yep. just found another way to fucking clean their money. Aye, almost like, when HSBC were like, what, handling money for Al-Qaeda and all sorts of shit. Yep, right Mexican drug noses. cartels and the aye, ISIS and Al-Qaeda. Crazy, you're just Trading, like... These guys are making so much money that they, they actually can't wash it quick enough. You know what I mean? Like, it's incredible. You know what I mean? Like, it's mind-blown, aren't it? It's mind-blown. The, complicit, the, the, the complicity of world governments in these endeavours is frightening because the amount of money and resources that are trading hands and crossing borders and stuff and then they just at the other side they go oh well we didn't know Mm -hmm. you're like you fucking knew don't lie I was watching you knew absolutely I was watching Bill Hicks all night um, just a bit bored and just fired it on and there's a bit in that where he's like talking about I think they're talking about George Bush Senior's government where he's like yep these people have got incredible weapons He's like, well, how do you know? And he's like, well, we checked the receipts. But as soon as the check goes on Monday morning, we're going straight in. But that's the same Aye, shit, man. Exactly. When that's the same fucking shit. It's just that everything's just so corrupt mm-hmm. that this is where I genuinely hope that we can come out the other side and realise that we've got so much corruption, just skimming so much money away from people. Um, that I mean. It is the people that do the actual work that make the money. This is just yeah. things like organised crime just skims money off the top, like that people just don't get access to. And I'm hoping that this is like we have like a wake up call and we make some changes mm-hmm. that are actually positive at the other side. Um, one of Aye. the things I was watching, I don't know if you've caught it, it was the uh, sequel with Super Size Me, um, where okay. I can't even remember the guy's name, but. So on Amazon I Prime, I want to say Morgan something. Aye, and it's no Lewis Morgan. It is, it's aye. Um, the guy he he's made another documentary where it almost right. seemed a wee bit pointless at the start, where he's okay. going to open a food chain. Um, right, and he's trying to just launch a food chain, and he basically he agrees on or he decides that he is going to open like a chicken chicken sandwich or whatever it's it's basically getting advice off all these yeah he's trying to get he's getting advice off a um all the different people and that's the sort of the the marketing guys like go for chicken chicken's like big right now we need to make it healthy it needs to be like this like x y and z basically mm-hmm. by the end of it um you're you're thinking like what the fuck is this all about like what's his point here um morgan spurlock the guy's name is it's called super size me too holy chicken um and you get to the end of it and basically what he does is is that he just explains how they manipulate they manipulate you that 
After his documentary, they said they were going to do all these different changes, but actually they've changed very little. The only thing that they've yeah. actually changed is the, the aesthetic and the language that they use. So he was talking about Aye. how you don't, you can't say organic because it needs to be certified organic, but you can say natural. And then I was yes. just sitting thinking and was like, if something says natural, he's like, so they asked like 100 people, like 90% of the people were like, if it says natural, do you think it's organic? And they're like, yep. So mm-hmm. they use all this different language. So he opens this restaurant that is, by the end of it, the, the sort of big reveal is, it will be completely honest about everything that it does. And it's got like, so he's got just one of the bits that I, f- I thought was really funny is, is that he's got like a, f- a factory chicken farm inside. Okay. And he goes and he does some research to find out how does he call it free range. And so he, he phones all the state departments all the different sort of like people that would take today with that and basically the, it comes down to the, the language used is as long as you give them the option to go outside and it needs to be <laughs> this cert- I know I shouldn't have laughed I, no, but I know there's somebody standing there in a chicken farm with your guys anybody up for a walk so what he did was is he go a bit where he made a wee tiny sort of semicircle at one of the hatches and it was like 10 feet by 10 feet and none of the fucking mm-hmm. chickens ever went into it. But because he gave them the option to go outside, he could say that he was free range. Because there was like fresh air breezing in. Yeah, because they'll get the option to go outside. It's crazy. And then... That's why So he could advertise saying, this is free range. And then on the packet he was explaining how it was free range and then he did a display of the same size of area that the chickens had available at like 10 feet by 10 feet in the restaurant so that people could go up it's called the free range zone which <laughs> <laughs> is fucking that hilarious so at, at the end of it because it was just kind of like this dude is just going to open a chain of restaurants what the fuck is this documentary about and then it sort of reveals itself as he's like explaining all the ins and outs. So that's a recommendation, man. Aye, that's an absolute fucking Definitely. recommendation for for people. We to had watch. something very similar in recent weeks where um, what we're classifying as vegan um, in the modern world, and obviously, kind of your example where organic and natural are kind of interchangeable in people's brains. Um, there was an article in the last week or so and it's obviously been lost in the sort of background noise that everything else that's going on and it was saying that so for example KFC and people are going well what the fuck have KFC well back on chicken just because you went there um, what the fuck have KFC got vegan options for uh-huh. what the fuck have McDonald's they hamburgers what have they got vegan options for who's that for and you're like well it's for vegans like people who are vegan can also want fast food. You know what I mean? Like the two are not mutually exclusive. But what people didn't realise when they were making use of, you know, home, you know, microwavable meals, uh, all the various bits that you get Tesco, Asda, McDonald's, whatever it is that you actively buy food, if they're offering you vegan options, yes, the main sort of protein element may very well be vegan, but what they were hiding under you know, the packaging and the branding was that, like, tofu doesn't taste as good as a burger. See, if you're a burger eater, like, they don't taste the same. You know what I mean? So the vegan options were loaded with sugar, Uh they were loaded with salt, they were loaded with, as I say, loads of added. So, yeah, the main protein and the, you know, surrounding accompaniments that come as part of your meal were 
technically vegan, but the actual health impact of eating that vegan food mm-hmm. is wild because of the amount of salt, sugar it oh. had that it was preserved, but it was not the rest of that put in yet. Almost defeats the purpose of like trying to eat clean and be vegan in the first place well, because think- you've traded meat chemicals essentially yeah i think that there's two different sort of sides there's two different types or there's many different types of vegan but there's there's got to be two different motivations you've got the ethical vegan that i can completely understand and i get it i'm just a fucking weak pathetic fucking dick that (laughs) Nah, <laughs> they just can't. They just cannot like give up on chicken and, and eggs and yes. that, I sp- that I eat the majority. Um, I don't have any milk. It's literally like chicken and eggs is the only sort of. Are you are saying free range though? Um, I certainly <laughs> hope so, considering that the bar's <laughs> fucking low for what is classified yeah. as free range. But the ethical yeah, vegan, absolutely. But then, if you are eating eating vegan for health benefits. It can be tougher. Like you need to supplement. You need to have like vitamin B, B seven, yeah. um, and fish oils. Like I think you get like vegan sort of cod liver oil or whatever. Um, okay. But you need to supplement. It's no like it, it's very hard to do that. Um, like the the Impossible Burger that Burger King day. So it's supposed to be the the closest thing that's been sort of like lab made meat almost. It's like organic okay. meat. Uh, no organic meat because you already get organic meat. Cultured. Aye, it's it's basically like injected with a synthetic blood like substance okay. to make it sort of more meaty. And it's supposed to be people are like genuinely can't tell the difference, but it's as bad for you, or maybe even slightly worse for you on a sort of health scale than the beef burger. Yeah. And the, the, then that would fall under the ethical vegan. Like, just because you eat a vegan diet and it's... I mean, you could have Watsits all day. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and eat, and that's that's vegan or whatever. Like, you could eat crisps or you could eat bread all day, but you would ultimately be very unhealthy. So, yeah. um, aye, I think that what you're saying, like, what you cl- you can classify so many things as vegan, but that that's another thing where people mistake vegan for healthy. Or if it's vegan, then, mm-hmm. like, um, it must be good for me, which is not the case mm-hmm. whatsoever. But yep. if, like, like I said, people eat vegan because of the ethical side of it, and that's just, I mean, that's just, that's a, that's a, you don't need an excuse to eat vegan, but that's one that of I can course. understand, but when oh no, fair play to them. They're definitely stronger than me in that respect. Mm-hmm. I think when we we talk about you know the avocado cartels and you know dirty gold and you know free range chickens and um, you know salty and sugary vegan food, it kind of for me ties into like some of what we're talking about in recent weeks. Where we recently talked about the. The contradiction in people's lives, or the hypocrisy in people's lives, I think was the, was the conversation that we had, mm-hmm. and that you know how we are as a species just now, or how we are, and in terms of how we feel about ourselves, um, is very much driven to a greater extent by outside forces, and yeah, we feel bad about eating chickens, so we go vegan, but it turns it turns out that the vegan food's no very good for us, or you know. We love our iPhones, but then we hear that, you know, they're made with 
the stolen gold for you know drug cartels or by Chinese know, like, children. <laughs> yeah, we like with cars, but it turns out that they're poisonous. You know what I mean? What there is this, you know, duality in how we live our lives, and I think it is something that definitely contributes to you know the things like anxiety and depression, and I think as we get more and more of this information, you know, we're in a better place to combat, you know, those insecurities and those hypocrisies within ourselves. But at the same time, like being an ethical vegan or even along similar kind of lines to what we discussed with Extinction Rebellion, there's no easy answer. Like, if you want, if you see these things, these situations unfold and you're disgusted by them like instead of being like pure you know oh fuck that guy's I can't he's you know wandering money through a you know golden drug like maybe we should be thinking to ourselves like do I really need an iPhone mm-hmm. like or this car's an absolute menace to the environment like so what's the alternative like what, what are you going to drive instead like you can't just be like oh fuck you Vauxhall because Vauxhall are only filling a demand. Yeah. You know what I mean? Apple are only filling a demand. You know what I mean? Like, and if the demand's there, people, including us and our own perceptions, will be exploited for the purposes of making money. Absolutely. And, like, I think, you know, as we get a better understanding of ourselves through the examination of these things, like, we probably part of our process, as well as managing our positivity, as well as you know, your self-care routines as well as all these things, probably part of what we need today is ask ourselves, well, what am I contributing towards that scenario? Absolutely, like, man. That's, that's... I'm sitting here on a headset with a phone and a laptop telling the background, my, you know, my, 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 this immediate room's full of gold. Like, there's probably avocados in the kitchen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, how much of these issues that we're talking about are as a result of our own behaviour? that's the sort of positive spin that I'm trying to make that we can come out the other side of this knowing for a fact that we are absolutely capable of radically changing our lives in a way that we shouldn't have to wait for a fucking viral pandemic mm-hmm. for us to make certain changes we need to mm-hmm. self-enforce them on ourselves and that yeah. I think genuinely needs this to happen because that this is we're like wrapping up this and we go back to the initial point and the initial topic of the virus that this is definitely linked to the change in climate that this is got to be the 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 wake-up call that we've been waiting for that these systems that we've got in place are so fragile and we are fucking propping them up for no other reason than we have this refusal to make the changes that we need to make they're also counterintuitive to our health and our well-being it's yeah. not just that they're bad in an abstract way we've talked from virus to corruption and so on and so forth this evening but like they're all interwoven they're all part of the same thing mm-hmm. you know what I mean what and I tough decisions but what I would probably say without being all gloomy about it is that as a race and the relatively sort of modern world, the sort of post-industrial, you know, booms. When faced with global challenges like world wars and whatnot, massive social change has followed. 
And yeah. I know you touched on that wartime mentality that Boris Johnson has tried to do his best Churchill impersonation way and ended up looking like an absolute fud. But at the same time, we are in what is our generations or even the generation either side is probably the biggest social upheaval that any is are likely to see. And I think it's probably important to understand that, yep, we've faced these types of challenges as a as a, a race and as a species before and at least for short periods of time after them we've found ways to actually make our lives better. And I think in terms of some of the subjects we've been talking about tonight, I would love to see us take that look at ourselves as a as a race and a species and say, you know what, this is a perfect opportunity to change. It should not have taken a worldwide pandemic for us to see the benefits of universal basic income, yeah. of being kind and no being selfish and no profiteering and no fucking stop and all these other horrible things that are going on in the background. It shouldn't have taken a pandemic for us to see the ills in those things, but it did. And now the question is, like, where do we go next? What are we going to the other mm-hmm. We can see the fault lines we can see your impact on them. We can see their impact on us now. Yep. But are we going to just go back into our wee comfort zone when this is all and done with? Are we just going to go, oh, well, fuck. That's it, done and dusted. I'll wash my hands here, just like I've been washing my hands 10 times a day for yep. the last nine months. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I certainly hope no. I hope no as well. I definitely hope no. I think we've done, I think this has been, been all right, man. I think we've done well. I think so. Enjoyed I think the one we did the, the touch on um, was, and I think we'll, you know, maybe go for a wee um, and finally story um, because it's probably up there with one of the most Glasgow. If somebody was like, so here's this headline, here's this story, what city is this story from? I would have like 99 times at 100 went Glasgow straight away. Um, I don't know if you've seen this, it's that there are two indoor climbing facilities in Glasgow that are looking to take up drinks licences. <laughs> All right. <laughs> right? So, yeah, Glasgow and drink are fairly synonymous with each other in a lot of respects. Um, but I don't know if this is maybe related to corona because we're being told to avoid pubs. But, you know, Boris Johnson did not specifically ask us to stay away from climbing, <laughs> you know, facilities. Um, but, Having looked at some of the footage for them, I mean, these are like, there's like overhangs. This is like, you know, two serious, like, climbing facilities for people who are proper hobbyists and yeah. maybe even professionals. I don't know. Um, all I can really say is that if and when the licenses are granted for these properties, I think we should do a podcast on the night that that goes live. Because I think you and I sat at the desk while drunkards fall through the ceiling um, would probably make quite a good show. Absolutely, man. <laughs> I think that would be hilarious. I mean, there is a, a weird sort of, there's a mini golf place that's got like a, a full-blown, it's like adult mini golf. It's been advertised as right. like sort of half mini golf, half nightclub, almost like okay. what the bowling alleys used to be when we were teenagers, when you used to go to the bowling alley like the up at uh, Finiston. Black lights and techno music. Exactly. But with mini golf. And I think that if you're drunk, <laughs> if you're putting, if you're geeing like drunk Glaswegians a blunt force weapon that's a putter, 
And Honestly, them, my brain just went there as you said that, so it did work. Or, like, putting them on a fucking climbing wall, like, none of it surprises me. I think that we've got an act that we Aye. could probably combine alcohol and pretty much any activity. Um, I mean, I think what we should do is get everybody drunk and let the people with the putters try and get the other drunkards doing off the climbing wall with the clubs. <laughs> oh, that would be fucking... Only in, only in Glasgow, eh? Aye, man, that, that would probably be weirdly amazing. <laughs> there's, there's got to be like you know some reality TV producer that listens to this down the line and is like right hold on guys I've got my next million dollar idea uh, how desperate like they going to get getting people drunk and then just sticking them on the side of a mountain <laughs> and just seeing just seeing what happens we're going to we're going to we're going to chopper you in halfway up the Andes but while you're in the chopper we're going to get you fucking steaming mm-hmm. and then we're just going to film it <laughs> That I, I would have no doubt that people would watch that. People watch the I'd most watch that. utter shite. Um, I don't think I would. <laughs> I'd probably watch it once and then feel really bad about it. Aye. So maybe maybe just watch the first one and be like, right, well, fuck. But um, people watch it and did people watch people? I'm watching. I'm watching it as research for the podcast so that we can talk about it the nine. Right. Aye. Cool. An actual fact. I've got a producer credit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Oh, I'm looking forward to that one, dude. But I mean, I think this has been cool. I think that I've enjoyed that. I man, we'll just I think going forward as long as this happens, as long as this works, we'll just keep doing it and putting episodes out, man. But I thanks, man. It's been enjoyable to have a chat. I mean, I don't want to stay in front of, but you know, I've only had company of my girlfriend for like the last fucking five, six days, so... Uh, Stacey's been sitting rolling eyes at me on the other side of the couch as well at this end, so she has. Mate, th- um, this is going to be the biggest test for relationships since... <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know, man. Strip clubs open. Something like 90 folk, something like 90 folk in China came out of isolation and filed for divorce. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> fucking Wait brilliant. Um, Amazing. Bye. I would also say that in the off chance that anybody listens and thinks to themselves, you know what, I want to make a contribution, you've got the facility to Skype in or whatever it is, drop us a mail because I think if we do five, six weeks without guests, there will also be a bit of me that just kind of like was a wee bit spare. So, you know, if you think you can make a contribution, as always, hit us up and if we can work it out, we'll definitely try. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Maybe even could have a reach out to some of our podcasting pals and just have like cross podcasts just where we just sort of talk to people that I mean uh, that might be even an idea but absolutely we can just let's oh, get a bit meta get <laughs> um, but anyway I thanks man it's been awesome talking no worries, to you man. and we'll next week we'll talk more about I this will fucking speak to you again in a week if we're based our alive <laughs> stay healthy dude you too mate Lightning falls when there is panic in the sky Thunder calls when all but fear is lived to die You tell it like it's fantasy 